20 years ago, I was injured on the job, which left me with a severe permanent disability. It forced me to discover my true passion and purpose. It wasn't until I started my direct sales business and later became one of the company's gratitude ambassadors that I realized I am a giver, a humanitarian, a cheerleader, and have a deep desire to inspire others. I had no idea it was possible to have a bigger impact until I launched my podcast to inspire others to live their passion, reclaim their purpose, and be open to so many possibilities. I am your host, Candace Snyder, and this is the Passion, Purpose, and Possibilities Podcast. Now we're back for another episode of Passion, Purpose, and Possibilities. And I'm excited for my guest today because my guest and I went through podcast school together and that's how we met. And I'm so happy for that because she has so much to share with us. I'm probably going to have to cut this podcast off (laughs) short in order to get through all the things I'd love to chat about. But anyway, today my guest is Wendy Bergen. She's a regular mom with a husband, a bunch of kids who she homeschools, some dogs, the founder of Joyfully Prepared, and the host of Joyfully Prepared podcast. She is dedicated to teaching busy moms skills like gardening, food preservation, natural remedies, and more so they can take care of themselves and their families through developing talents with confidence while saving money. She's rolled down the mountain of progress so many times that she has skin knees, grass in her teeth, and sticks in her hair. All of these mistakes have actually allowed her to become more confident in her knowledge and skills, whether it's canning, gardening, emergency preparedness, or anything else, she teaches others to feel confident in learning. Welcome, Wendy. Thank you so much, Candice. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my gosh, you know. I've gotten to know you a little bit over, I don't know, a little over a year. And I just love that every time we talk, like I learn more about you and what you teach people. I think a lot of people don't know some of these things. I mean, I know I've learned so much from you, you know, just in a few conversations, but I would love for you to share with our listeners, like how you got on the whole subject of being able to like live sustainably and be able to teach yourself skills. And I know you didn't teach them all yourself, like you learned along the way, but what's the backstory? So the thank you very much for all those sweet things that you just said. Thank you for asking about my backstory. My backstory starts back in 1938 and I'm not that old, But it starts with my my grandparents, actually. My grandparents grew over in Charlottesville, Virginia. That's where I grew up. And um, in 1938, they their church leaders said for them to put up two year supply of food and supplies. And so they talked about it. And my grandpa decided that that's what he would do. And he was a landscaper back in the day. He they were called nurserymen, and he would he had a little uh, nursery, a little garden center, but he also had a landscaping business. And so he said um, he was going to do this thing. He would put God to the test. That's what his words are in his journal. 
And so he put up two years supply of chains and tires and anything he needed to stay in business. And then at home, I learned that um, I was talking to my dad about this, actually, that he it was not my grandmother, but it was him and my great grandmother, his mom. And over the course of I don't know how many months or a couple of years, they canned eighteen hundred jars of food um, starting in nineteen thirty eight. And the significance of all of this is that in nineteen forty one, the United States entered World War Two after obviously being bombed in Pearl Harbor. And when that happened, you know, troops had to go overseas and the women had to go to work and factories were converted into creating um, supplies for the war. And with all of this, there was lots of sacrifice here at home in regards to food because it was being sent overseas. And the Americans here were given ration stamps and they would stand in line and you could get a loaf of bread, a little bit of cheese and milk. And that's how they were. The government sustained them. But because my grandparents had put up all this um, food, they never had to use one of their ration stamps, not one. And grandpa stayed in business where all of his competitors did not stay in business. Wow. And that's my story. Wow. I can't even imagine like 1800. I can't either. And I've done a lot, but that's a lot of food. Like where do you put all that? That's number one. Right. And the other thing I was thinking of too is like, I have a friend who's a landscaper. She's a landscape designer. And then she works with, you know, a couple people that actually put the plants oh, put it in together and do hardscape. And I'm like, boy, things have really changed. Yeah. Probably from what your grandfather was doing, great right. grandfather was doing way back when. Um, right. When it came, as far as landscaping goes, yeah, he took down a lot of trees. Mm -hmm. um, he was known as um, a not a tree surgeon, maybe a tree surgeon, but he was was someone who learned the skill of being able to diagnose what a tree needed, and so he would be called into all these special type situations. Mm -hmm. So, so this transferred to you, this mindset. Yeah. And so how have you been able to, well, I know you have a big family. I know you do the homeschooling. How has all this transferred to you and your family? Because I feel like this takes a lot of work. You know, I, it, well, it was transferred to my parents. Now, obviously my, my mom grew up in a rural city in uh, Idaho and my dad was in Virginia. And they met when my dad went out to school for college. Um, but they both grew up very, they very different, but with similar mindset. So my grandparents passed down to my dad, this idea of preparedness. And then my mom, she's the youngest of nine and they were wealthy. And my grandma had to, they made, they grew all their food. They made all their food. Grandma sewed all their clothes. And so my mom really grew up with this self-reliant mindset as well. And so my parents really came together in such a, a beautiful way in that my my dad really worked on the food storage side of things. So, you know, bringing food into the home that had long-term shelf life and being able to rotate through it. And my mom grew the garden. She harvested. She canned everything. She sewed a lot of our clothes so they really worked together very well. And I watched that. And in fact, I remember 
um, we live out, my parents live way out in the country and down the dirt road that they live. When I was younger, I would walk down the dirt road. And this one time I identified that they had blackberries growing all over the, the side of the road. And I went out one day and I picked all these blackberries. I came in the house and I said to my mom, I'm going to make jam. Like, where did that come from? I think I was 13. I'm going to make jam. Okay. Well, she didn't, she let me make it. She had the pectin, the jars, everything I needed. And I just read the instructions and followed the instructions and I made jam, but it was because of her, you know, her influence on me. She didn't help me that I remember, but she was there to guide me. But this is what she did all the time was, you know, make things and preserve them. Mm -hmm. And so that, that's how it started with your, yeah. with your jam experience. My jam experience. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And so then it just kind of, it, it never, ever, ever went away for me. You know, I was a teenager. It wasn't, my aunt gave me a book called um, Stalking the Wild Asparagus by Yule Gibbs. I think that's who the author is. And I started learning how to forage for wild edibles out of that book. And that's just such fascinating, it's such a fascinating craft and uh, skill to be able to do that. And um, it it kind of went by the wayside a bit as I went to college and I learned to sew in college. But when I got married, uh, my husband and I worked for a couple and they were um, Italian and um, the the wife taught me how to make sauce you know, gravy, Italian, like the, so I, I knew how to can. So we found some plum tomatoes and my husband and I can, you know, pints of tomatoes right there that first couple months that we were married. And so then it just kind of kept going from there. Mm -hmm. So do you have a favorite as far as canning and preparing foods yeah. that you're able to store, like, you know, making a sauce or a gravy, right? And jams, is there something else that you do that maybe is not so common? And what are the ones that are your favorite things to to prepare? So like is the question, what what kinds of things, what's my favorite to can? Is that yeah. what your question is? Mm -hmm. um, believe it or not, I think canning meat is the easiest one to do. Believe it or not, it's really very simple. There's not a lot of work involved. You just kind of pack the meat in the jar and put the lid and the and the ring on and you have to use a pressure canner. And a lot of people are really scared of pressure canners, but there's really nothing to be scared of, especially the modern day pressure canners. And you just can it and out comes this meat and it's fully cooked and it's shelf stable. I like to use it within two years of it being after canning it, but it's so it's so easy to do. That's probably one of my favorite things. I would have never thought about that at yeah. all. Now, my husband loves to cook. He mm -hmm. loves the food shop and he loves his vacuum packer. Nice. You have yes. a good husband. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. So> <laughs> I think he's, if, of all the appliances, I would have to say the vacuum packer is his probably favorite. <laughs> but yes, he's done like, you know, we have leftover, you know, dinner and he may save the meat and vacuum pack right. it, you know, Freezer. fairly fast. Right. But I don't think we've ever even talked about like canning meat. Mm -hmm. so this is like, a, I mean, oh, it's wonderful. And you like if you had extra um, taco meat, for instance, 
pack that sucker up do what you have to do safe you know can it and then it's it just sits on your shelf ready for you to pop it open and heat it up and it's ready to go i gotta ask how do you how do your kids feel about this like yeah (laughs) um i so on the one hand they think i'm kooky but on the other hand, I feed them very well. And it's a, just a very normal way of everything. I always have some project going and um, I'm not a very good housekeeper, I will have to say, because I do have lots of projects and my kids don't really know which projects are active and which ones aren't. So, you know, I don't really um, blame them for not cleaning up so much. But um, I think in general, my kids are grateful that they have a mom who is trying to think ahead, who is trying to learn new skills. I see that my kids, and I think homeschooling has helped with this as well. Um, it's helped them uh, be aware of what they can do for themselves. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So they Even still like skills. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they know how to, they know how to grow a garden. They don't just like me, my, when I was growing up, my parents would pull us out of bed during the summertime, that summer vacation, seven o'clock in the morning to go work in the garden, pulling weeds. And I hated it. Oh my gosh, I hated it. And I remember like yelling to the sky, I'm never going to have a garden. Well, now I teach gardening, (laughs) you know, and I have, I think I have five different types of gardens going on in my yard right now. So um, my kids may not want to do that right now and that's okay, but there will be a time and they, the older ones have come to me and asked me this or that, how do I do this? Or I grew a little plant or Um, you know, just different things, but they've learned how to think for themselves. There's critical thinking skills that are involved when you're learning to be self-reliant because you have to work through a problem, whether you work out, you reach out to a mentor, a book, videos, whatever it is, you know, you, and, and when you're canning meat, you know, that's what people get really scared. They're like, I don't want to kill anybody. You're not going to kill anybody if you're following the directions the way they're supposed to be. So, but you learn how to become more and more confident as you use those critical thinking skills. Yeah. And these are things like that you're not necessarily going to learn in school. No, you're going to school. Yes. Um, And, and that's the big blessing. I think, you know, I I didn't homeschool my kids. I had some Mm -hmm. friends that did. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think that's like one of the big blessings of being able to homeschool your kids Mm -hmm. is they get this other side of learning how to be self-reliant and and skills they might not have learned otherwise. I agree. I I think that definitely, because I say this all the time, there are three things that school can't teach a child. You can learn anything on the internet today. Um, you can't teach a child, school is not going to teach a child critical thinking skills because they're teaching that child to sit down, be still, get up, move when they tell them to. Number two, um, communication skills. My kids can communicate with a baby to a 90 year old and they can have a full blown conversation, um, without missing a beat. They know how to ask questions, have a conversation. And that, that really brings me a lot of joy to see that my kids can do that. And I'm very uh, happy for them that they know how to have those conversations. They don't grunt. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, you know? Yeah. 
There's not, there's, they're having a conversation. And then third, um, they can't learn how to work hard. I mean, they can be pushed to deadlines, but you know, when you're trying to keep something alive, a garden, animals, because we raise chickens and we just um, raise some pigs and different things like that, you have to learn how to work hard. You have to learn how to be available to take care of things that need your your attention. Yeah, I mean, such valid points, you know, and those of us that like for myself, my kids are grown, but yeah, these are not things I was thinking about. No, me neither. They were in middle school, high school. No. Mm-mm, and me neither. And I was, I was public, I went to public school and I have good parents. It's not, has nothing to do with how good a parent is or isn't. It's nothing like that. This is just my experience as a, and I didn't see it honestly until the last few years. And I also noticed that my children are extremely gracious. They're very giving when they see someone in need, they give to the best of their ability. Every single one of my children, I have seven children and every one of them is very kind and they, they want to lift the burdens of other people. I would love that because in, you know, this crazy society we live in sometimes it's so important, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And my, my sons are the same way, you That's know, they're wonderful. the first ones to give like their shirt off the, yes. their, you know, even if they have nothing, you yes. know, so. I love that. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's an attribute that, that is a beautiful, beautiful attribute and good job for you teaching that to them. <laughs> Thanks. So I want to know, um, well, and I think our listeners would be curious too. say you've never gardened before and I've never been like, it's never been my mm-hmm. thing to my, mm-hmm. my husband again, you know, he's, mm-hmm. the cook, he's, he's the gardener. Yeah. But if somebody was just going to start out for say, you know, I'm going to try this gardening thing. Right. I really have no clue where to start. Right. You have a suggestion? I, gosh, I have all sorts of suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't go plow up the back 40. Don't, you know, don't go dig up the yard. Don't create this thing because if you're just starting, there's a lot to learn. And so the best way to start gardening is a very controlled environment. And what I mean by that really is in a container of some sort and start with something super easy like herbs, because herbs are extremely tolerant of neglect. <laughs> Ask me how I know. <laughs> how do you know? Because <laughs> I have neglected them. So, <laughs> and they just spring right back. Mint is a wonderful herb to neglect because it just pops right back up. Give it a little bit of water and here it comes. Rosemary is very easy. and um, lavender, basil, all of these things are so easy to grow and you can just get little pots and you can put them in your windowsill and you can just go to the grocery store for that matter and buy a lot of these herbs in um, pots like the basil. They're always selling, you know, fresh basil in the little pots with roots in it. You can literally take that basil and go home and put it in a bigger pot and you've just gardened. It's really that and give it a lot of water. (laughs) I think I can handle that. You can do that. (laughs) Basil likes a lot of water. That's all you need to know. Okay. What about easy? Does it need a lot of sunlight? Um, it needs its sunlight. It likes to be warm, hot, you know, but you can put it in a windowsill, a sunny windowsill and grow it there. You can put it out on the porch, just needs water and, and sun doesn't like to be cold. It does like to be hot, but that's the easy way to do gardening where you're growing something that you can eat. And the other benefit of growing herbs 
they're so stinking expensive in the grocery store to buy a little sprig or two of you know half dead basil and it's starting to brown it's like what three four five dollars depending now and you can buy a whole pot of of basil in the grocery i just saw down here it was a big giant pot with lots of they plant a lot of basil when they plant basil they put lots of seeds in one pot so that as many germinate as possible so you could end up with three four five basil plants in, in one little pot so Take that home for four or five dollars and you have fresh ever living basil. You know, it's going to keep growing versus this half dead stuff for the same amount of money. It's a scam what they do in the grocery store to give you these little bits of where you can pop a seed in and it'll grow. It's it's very easy to grow herbs. Very. And it, it'll save you the most money overall than any other um, produce you could grow. I think it's a fun way. Like if you're not. <laughs> into gardening at all and you don't have any experience i think it's fun to see you know what sprouts absolutely it's super fun it's a great and if you're home you have kids it's such a great way to teach these kids just the basics of biology which is the science of living things right what what the seed what a seed is it's this little capsule ready to just sprout and it has enough nutrient and food in it so that as the seed sprouts that it can put out roots and a stem until the sunlight can start to feed it. So, you know, it's such a great way. And there's so many awesome ways to teach your kids how to grow things like on Pinterest and different things like that. Super cute ways and have them have them grow something it, it to create and to work with nature and God. There's just nothing better. I can tell that you, this is one of your passions. Yes. Totally, totally <laughs> about this. Yeah. So I I want to ask you this question about so you have all these skills and you love to teach people these skills. I do. Mm-hmm. Why are skills more valuable than gold? So let me tell you why in a story. So okay. I read a story years ago and I have not been able to find the story since, but I remember it very vividly because it created such an impact on me. And the story was set back in Germany after the war, um, World War II in Germany. And the the inner cities had just been ravaged by the war in, in Germany. And people were extremely poor. There was no food because they didn't have any way of growing food. Even before the war in the city, everything was shipped in from the farms, which is what happens in cities. And um, so, so this is a funny little, this is a funny little term, which I laugh every time. I think I did a, a podcast on this, but they would take these little trips. They called them a, a trip in uh, German is called a, a fart, F-A-H-R-T. <laughs> and so they would call them hamster farts. <laughs> You're going to be like, can we cut this out, Wendy? But it's so funny because they were, they called them the hamster farts because hamster trips because they were out scavenging trying to find they would leave the, the cities go out to the countries to try and find food or something that they could sell so in this one particular story this man they had nothing left the only thing they had left of value was the wife's wedding ring and so he went out into the country looking for food and he came across a farm with a, a older couple and he said this is all i have do you have any food and they said we do have food we have potatoes but the question is can you do any kind of 
carpentry work? Can you fix things? He goes, oh, yeah, I can do whatever you need around the farm. And so I think he was there for a day or two and he helped fix up their barn and do a couple, you know, things like that. And at the end of that um, experience, they gave him like a 50 pound bag of potatoes, which was huge you know it was huge and he was able to take it back and feed his family and so that's why I say that they didn't want the wedding ring they wanted the skills they could have had gold but they chose the skills because that's what they needed and he was able to exchange his skills for food yeah yeah makes complete sense right doesn't it it's pretty cool (laughs) I I love that it's yeah. pretty cool. And I'm I'm on a there's a, a Central Florida um, bartering group here and it was just started in January. And the bartering going on has lots to do with skills. I need this and I can do that. I mean, sometimes it's exchanged. Like the other day I exchanged. Um, she brought me honey and goat's milk, raw goat's milk in exchange for me freeze drying some of her farm eggs. So, you know, things like that. So there's all this bartering. It doesn't have to be cash. It doesn't have to be gold. It can be skills. It can be things that you are growing, however, however it works. Bartering really can be very creative. That is definitely something to think about. Like Mm -hmm. if you're in need of something and you know that somebody can help you with it and then instead of, you know, actually paying them for it, maybe you have something that you yeah. can offer them. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to be sitting here thinking about all the things. What I know, right? It's, it's really fun. And then you, and then you see what other people are doing. You're like, oh, I can do that. Like you forget almost what you can do or what you have produced right. that people will want in exchange. I mean, somebody's like, I have a pig. Do y'all have some, you know, this, or like, I don't need a pig, but I do have, you know, whatever it is. So it, right. it's pretty fun. Yeah. It's pretty fun. Speaking of pigs, I mean, yeah. you have, pigs you have chickens and chickens are getting to be pretty popular at least even around where i live here in new yeah. jersey in our neighborhood there's some some neighbors that have chicken coops that's awesome um is it a lot of work no chickens are super easy they really are super easy they just have to make sure that they have a nice area that's safe for them and not to crowd them in a you know not to put too many in one's done a pen or if you have a bit of the ability to let them free range, but you just have to be careful of um, predators because we lost a bunch of chickens to a fox. My husband accidentally left the door open. This has been nine months ago and he took, you know, it was very sad. So, but um, no, chickens are super easy. They just want to eat, have water, and then they lay eggs and they're very happy the okay. end. And then you get the eggs from them and you get poo-poo from them to put in your garden. Oh, pretty good. <laughs> so most people actually barter. People barter for poo poo. You would be surprised. You're like, Wendy, this has really gone off the rails. Now we're talking about <laughs> hipster farts and poo poo. <laughs> oh, I have to say, it's a really fun conversation. Oh, thank you. So, what about the pigs? The pigs are in the freezer now. But we had um, an interesting experience with those pigs learning how to work it out. That's kind of, I just did a podcast on that um, about everything will work out, but it does require work. So we thought those pigs would trot right up in the trailer so we could take them to the processor. 
but they did not. They did not trot up there. We tried to Hansel and Gretel them all the way up into the trailer. That did not work. We did everything we could possibly think of until it was my mom suggested that we give them some beer. And so it ended up that we had to get them drunk <laughs> to like let down so they could let down some of their defenses because they're so strong. They're so smart and super fast. And so they were able to let down their defenses just enough so that um, my husband, I didn't do anything but take pictures and like make suggestions, which, you know, and um, he wrestled them up into the trailer and we were able to get them to the processor. But the whole the whole process of us learning how to do this thing took five days, it took a very long time. And so sometimes you learn a skill really, really fast. And sometimes it takes a really long time. And you get to the point where you're like, OK, so that didn't work. What's next? So you just keep figuring out what's next. You get frustrated. I'm not saying like, oh, yay, another failure. I can't wait for the next one. It's not that. But now we have this knowledge that we could pass down to other people. We can help other people. And the next time we grow pigs, we'll know what to expect. And maybe we'll treat them a little different. And what I mean by that is maybe we bring them out the stall once a week. So, and you know, I mean, things like that and handle them a little bit more versus letting them to themselves in the stall for four months and they didn't know us. So they, right. they did the right thing. Those little pigs, they were right. So we just learned things and that's, you know, we've grown our own chickens for meat as well. And we've learned through that process and that's just, that's just part of homesteading. It's part of life. And I, I really do wish I was better. And, and in general, we were better, better at accepting failure as a stepping stone to success. I really wish that, that we were like, yay, I failed again. Right. Instead of like beating ourselves up because we didn't right. do something on the first try or. Yes. And it yeah. doesn't, I think you and I were talking about this before, you know, it's not, you, you know, as, as you're learning business or homesteading or any kind of skill, it takes time, it takes work and there's money usually involved and there's failure and you're getting over your issues, your, your mental limitations and, and searching out, like I can still do this thing. And I think those kinds of um, experiences need to be ex uh, celebrated, you know, that we're like, and it, they just turn into stories. It's the, the whole pig story is a pig story. It's just a funny story. And we learned a lot and, and um, I'm thankful that we got them in that trailer. <laughs> You know, I just thought thought about something, you know, sometimes we, we talk and we say, oh yeah, we're going to do a podcast together and, mm -hmm. you know, this is going to be our subject and, you know, they're never scripted and yeah. we just go off on whatever tangent, <laughs> you know, based on the conversation right. and questions that come, come up. And who would have thought that me asking you about pigs would have led to this part of the conversation, which is so relevant. Mm-hmm. And, but not only that, it's people are not thinking, like if you didn't raise pigs, if you didn't right. have pigs, right. you would have never thought about these things that are like oh. possibilities that could come up Yeah, by the experience of, right. of having them. So yeah. really I'm like, like all these little light bulb moments, because I'm like, this wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought of this. I wouldn't have mm -hmm. thought of that if we didn't have this conversation. And like I said, you know, I could be talking to you 
all day long about yeah. so many different things on this, on, on the things that you do, the things that you're just, yeah. you're doing at home, the things you're teaching your kids, the all about gardening. I mean, we only did a little hint mm-hmm. of gardening yeah. and we yeah. did a little hint of like what it's like to have animals, you know, at your right. home. Right. Right. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about how gratitude plays in self-reliance. Oh my gosh. My favorite. Mm-hmm. I just could talk about gratitude for hours and hours and hours. Gratitude just makes me tear up, honestly, because I love being grateful. And I have, I, I feel like gratitude is such a foundation for everything and, and self-reliance. Self-reliance isn't necessarily being able to do everything by yourself. Self-reliance has to do with who can you reach out to? Um, Because to me, if you, my whole pig situation, we, I had to reach out to people. There was a Florida farm group um, that I reached out to. I'm like, what do you guys suggest? And they gave me another suggestion to put a bucket over their head to help, you know, they were drunk and we put a bucket on their head and moved them backwards because they try to get out back out of the bucket and you just kind of move them. It was still a wrestle, but learning how to go outside of yourself requires gratitude and humility because you can't do everything yourself, but you can know what your resources are. And that's a huge part of self-reliance. But the gratitude lays that foundation because rather than me being entitled, like getting on a farm Facebook group and saying, I don't know how to do this. I need to, whatever it is, somebody needs to come over here and help me. No, no. I was like, can somebody help me? I really don't know what I'm doing here. And these people were amazing. This community came together. We we totally understand. It's really hard to get them up there. And, and then I was then able to offer so much gratitude and update them. We got them in the trailer. Thank you so much. And that just makes people want to help more. So I think that gratitude, it's a doorway. It's a, it's a, beautiful um opening to allow people into your lives to be able to serve you and you can serve them and I've told my kids as and you I'm sure you've done the same thing if you express gratitude to me I probably will allow more of this to happen for you you know whether it's more food or more opportunities to go out with your friends the more you express gratitude people feel at ease people want to help you they don't feel taken advantage of. And just in yourself, the peace that you receive by being grateful in all things. You don't necessarily have to be happy about, I didn't wasn't happy about the plague of flies that came into my barn because we would put all this food out for these pigs. However, it was funny. And I'm grateful for the story. I'm grateful to know how not to do something. And I honestly to you and to your listeners, I have trained myself to be grateful. I was raised by very grateful parents, but I have learned to, to be grateful. A little over a year ago, um, we moved to Florida about a year and a half ago. And then um, about five, six months into the move, we had brought one of my, uh, we brought dogs down and one of them was a livestock guardian dog. So she would stay out with the animals and protect them, especially during the night. Her name is Aphrodite. Uh, absolute love. And um, at, just out of the blue, she got cancer and died 
I mean, it was just, it was, it was heartbreaking. She was my dog. I loved her to bits. She was so loyal. So gosh, I just love that dog. And the day we had to put her down, I came home and I remember thinking, there's nothing to be grateful for right now. There's absolutely, I was so devastated that I couldn't even find gratitude. I loved her. I was grateful for her, but that wasn't good enough for me that day. And then something went off in my head and I realized that was Aphrodite who helped us to find the property that we live on today because I didn't want to rehome her when we couldn't live in an HOA. We couldn't live with deed restrictions. We had to find a property that would allow a dog to be outside at night and bark. We had to be, you know, on, you know, a good amount of acreage. And we looked and looked and looked. Our house sold in New Jersey before we found a house in Florida. And we found the house in Florida. My husband was down here. I never saw it, but he walked out the back door. And there was a fenced in dog run already prepared for Aphrodite. So she was the one who led us to this property. And I had to be grateful for that. I had to be, I wasn't happy that she died, but I had to be grateful that she was that much part of our family, that she led us to this property on which we now live. What an amazing perspective, you know, and I hope that people listening too will think about this when, when it is hard to find Mm -hmm. those moments to be grateful when you're going through like the worst possible thing. You yes. think going going through. Mm-hmm. It's so hard. I mean, you know, so many life challenges, things happen that we don't have control over. Right. We want to have control over. We think we could have control over yes. things, but we, we really don't. We don't. Mm-mm. Right. So I'm so sorry about Aphrodite. Thank you. But I'm I so appreciate- glad that you found that yes. as a way to, you know, be in gratitude. Mm-hmm. And always remember her and what a big yes. part of your family she was. Yes. And and I've my mantra is I'll just be grateful. I remember one time I came home. This was when I was still in training, gratitude training. <laughs> and I came home and I had told the kids to clean out the pantry closet. And they had done a good job, but the floor wasn't done. It was still kind of crusty under there, honestly. My son, I don't remember how old he was. He was in his teens. He was sitting at the table. I walk in the door and I looked over and I looked up and down. I was like, I'll just be grateful. I said that out loud. He goes, Mom, why are you saying that? You're obviously not grateful. I said, I have to practice. I have to practice. I'm always in practice. So that's my mantra. And I'll just be grateful. And it's funny how your brain will tune into that. I can guarantee that I know that's true. And now I am immediately grateful for, I really am for many, many things. And so when I exclaimed, there's nothing to be grateful for today, I knew that wasn't true. And my brain immediately went to work to find out why that was true, that I was grateful. What a great lesson, Wendy. Oh my gosh. I I love this because, you know, I'm all about the gratitude. Yes. Too, and. You know, I'm one of the company's gratitude ambassadors. So I'm, but you know, there's days that I struggle too. Like we all struggle, you know, something doesn't go the way we think it's going to supposed to go. And then we kind of lose sight of perspective and you have to kind of pull yourself back in Mm -hmm. hundred percent to find that thing. 
you know, one of the things I do just quickly, because I have like little um, gratitude catalysts. So I have two. So when I'm feeling down and I'm like, I can't be grateful, or I, you know, I'm all sad and pitiful. My two go-to gratitude, and it starts the ball, ro- ball rolling, is I'm thankful for indoor plumbing and hot showers. <laughs> so <laughs> thankful that I don't have to go outside to an outhouse to go to right? the bathroom. <laughs> Once again, Ma, Wendy's talking about potty stuff. <laughs> like a third grader, really. <laughs> That's what makes you fun, Wendy. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so how can our listeners find you? Thank you. Um, my website is joyfullyprepared.com. And I have a free Facebook group on Facebook, obviously, Facebook. And you just go in the search bar and type in Joyfully Prepared. It's free. And there's a lovely community of mostly women. And we just are a great resource to each other. We talk about all sorts of different things, what's happening in the world. Um, We're very calm. We're very peaceful. We're very supportive. There's I don't allow any kind of fussing or fighting in there at all. And um, because I'm not having that kind of contention in my space, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And um, and like I said, I have a podcast joyfully prepared. So I'd love for for your listeners to listen to me. That would be super fun. Yeah, she's got such great topics. So definitely check out the podcast. And you offer a gardening course as well. I do. If you go to my um, my website, joyfully prepared you'll see on there uh, I think under the tab courses there's a container gardening course it's for very it's very basic for beginners and it'll it starts with like go find a container it's that simple like I walk you very simply through everything how to grow um, your produce in in pots okay it's crazy yeah thank you So all your links will be in the show notes. So anybody who's not in a space where they can write it down right now, go back, listen, and and check out the notes. Kindness looks good on everyone. And that's why the Passion, Purpose, and Possibilities podcast has partnered with The Kindness Cause, a creatively curated online shopping experience of fashion-forward gifts that donate to nonprofit organizations to help you shop with purpose and donate in style. Together, our mission is to spread kindness, give back and empower individuals to pursue their dreams through our exclusive line of inspirational merchandise that not only uplifts your spirits, but also gives back to those in need. Every purchase donates to a charitable nonprofit organization. To see this exclusive line, make a purchase, and support a cause, head over to the show notes for the direct link. You know, on my podcast, I asked three, my three P questions. Okay. You ready? Yeah, ask them. Okay. (laughs) So what is something you're passionate about that people might not know about you? What is something I'm passionate about that people might not, they may not know it, but um, they may. I, I'm on earth to be joyful. I, I mean, I know it's in joyfully prepared and so people know it, but I, I'm on a constant pursuit to be grateful, to be joyful, to be fun. 
um, to find humor in things and, and to not get bogged down with sadness and commotion and to be peaceful. I love it. Okay. So what is your definition of purpose? Oh, that's a difficult one. Purpose. I've actually been, I've wrestled with that a little bit this year. And I've come to the decision or the conclusion for me personally that a purpose is something you're drawn to. Um, most of the time you're good at it. Like it's a it's a talent or skill that just is in your in your soul and and you can make a difference in that. And it may not just may not be with hordes and hordes of people. It may just be with your child. It might be in a congregation or a neighbor, but your purpose is there to uplift through your talents and skills. So mine are preparedness, but yours are, you know, different than mine. Your, you and your husband's are different. We're all so different. And that makes perfect harmony in the world. If we understand that we're, we're different, we don't have to compete because the way I do canning might be the different than you. I mean, the technique's the same, but I may can different food than you. Neither is wrong. Neither is right. It just is. Mm -hmm. I love this perspective. And as I've said on several of my shows, when I get to this question, while the gist of it is very similar, the way people describe it mm. is so, so different. And, and your description was really different, oh, wow. but makes complete sense at the sure. same time. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just another way of you know, to think about it when, when you're listening and you're thinking about what is my purpose is yeah. a way to, mm -hmm. to put perspective there. Absolutely. And the last question is, is there a possibility, a dream or a vision you have that hasn't come to fruition yet? Yeah. My dream is to create a learning center where people can come, whether I'm teaching the classes or other people, where they can come in a, into a classroom and find safety, where they can learn skills, that they can be um, cheerleaded. I don't think that's the right way, but cheered for maybe that's what, like, yay, because I'll cheer for anybody. Anything you, you do, trust me, I'm cheering for you because I need all the cheering I can get too. But yeah, that's what I want. I want a learning center where people can come and learn these skills and they not just skills, but a classroom where we can teach kind of what you are, the possibilities, the purposes of and helping people identify what their purpose is. It, like I said, it doesn't have to be grand, but it has to be individual. Right. Oh, I love this. And I can actually I'm like, I already got a visual, too, you know, like because I know like you're in Florida. I picture like mm -hmm. an area of Florida where there's like a lot of land with this big facility. But then there's this big greenhouse with. Yeah. The outside gardening part, too. Right. So right. I, Wouldn't I, that be awesome? I totally see this. And there'll be bathrooms, too. Indoor bathrooms. Yeah, the indoor plumbing. <laughs> Well, I loved our conversation and I took, I got so many takeaways from this. Thank you, Candace. You're such that, a sweetheart. Well, thank you. I know our listeners are going to, they're going to, it's going to give them some thinking. Uh, I hope so. What they're passionate about and yeah. possibilities for them too. So good. And so I'm much. happy to read. Anybody can reach out to me. I'm happy to walk them through. Everybody needs a, a, a start somehow. Yeah. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. 
If you enjoyed the show, please submit a rating and review and share with a friend. This helps us reach more listeners so we can make a bigger impact. From time to time, we share our reviews live on our episode. Your review could be the next one we share. Please head on over to our website, passion, purpose, and possibilities.co to receive a free gift I am waiting for you. And if you heard something today that truly inspired you, I would love to hear about it. You can email me at Candice Snyder at passion, purpose, and possibilities.co. Thank you again for listening.